0: Have you ever dissected a fish on your kitchen counter and then tried to get the eyeball under a microscope? Well, I have, and my daughter and I made quite a mess together. (laughs) We could have used some advice from today's guest, Tom Frederick, here to discuss some pros and cons of doing science at home.
1: Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Mladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, bestselling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections.
0: Hi, I'm Lisa Maladnik, and we're discussing some pros and cons of doing science at home with Thomas Frederick. Tom is a former physics and mathematics teacher at Saline High School in Michigan. He has 20-plus years of classroom experience helping young people understand and apply mathematics and physics. Tom holds a Master of Science in Physics Education from Eastern Michigan University and a Bachelor of Science in Mathematics from the University of Michigan. In addition to being a teacher, Tom was a cross country coach for 15 years and was the coordinator of youth ministry and confirmation director for seven years at his local parish. In that time, he built up the youth program from a handful of moderately committed kids to 75 to 100 young people packing the youth room every Sunday night. That's amazing. Suffice to say, he enjoys working with high school-aged young adults in a myriad of different venues, and especially enjoys living and sharing his Catholic faith. He sits on the board of Mercy Christian Health, a nonprofit pediatric health provider in Ypsilanti, Michigan. He and his wife, Cynthia, have seven wonderful children. In his spare time, he enjoys scripture study, fixing computers, gardening, and keeping up a small orchard. He can be found online at physicsisfun.org, and the fun part is spelled with a ph. so it's physicsisphun.org, and also on LinkedIn, look for Thomas S. Frederick. I also just want to mention that he is an instructor at Homeschool Connections and a very popular teacher. Lots and lots of kids have just adored his classes, so I'm really excited to welcome Tom to the podcast. How are you doing today?
1: Doing very well. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you.
0: Good, good. Thanks for taking the time. I'm really curious about your orchard. What do you grow? Uh, Apples,
1: uh, peaches, pears, uh, blueberries, raspberries, and a 40 by 40 garden uh, filled with vegetables.
0: Wow, wow. I'll be right in my
1: spare time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like you have any. Um, Okay, so just step us into why you love teaching and learning science.
1: Yeah, um, especially physics. I find it fascinating. I find that I'm understanding uh, God's mind and how he created uh, the universe. And really, um, I think he's meant for us to understand it, not to be in darkness, uh, to have that light of understanding and cooperation. And we can't fully cooperate and be great stewards of his creation unless we understand uh, how it all works.
0: Wow, that is so right. The more we inquire and look around us and start to experience the order in it all, we do really get glimpses of the mind of God, don't we? Yes. Wow, just fantastic. Um, So, the scientific method, there's a lot of confusion in our culture about the church supposedly being opposed to scientific inquiry. Tell us a little bit about the origins of it.
1: Yeah, uh, we could do a whole podcast on just that, but... um, Basically, it comes down to a few um, large items, the uh, Inquisition, uh, Galileo um, uh, opposing, uh, supposedly, allegedly, uh, church teaching and getting in a bit of a tête-à-tête with the Pope, um, (laughs) and uh, Darwin's evolution, and obviously, uh, uh, I I really think a lot of it is the modern Protestant response, not so much a Catholic um, response, that really forces that dichotomy. Uh, The earth is young. uh, So these evolutionary processes couldn't take place. God couldn't have used them. The dinosaurs' bones are planted. They're fake. And when you say things like that, which unfortunately many uh, modern Protestant uh, denominations hold, it really builds that dichotomy, that wall between really the unity of faith and reason.
0: Mm, it's weird how a fear of science sprang up at a certain point in the development of Protestant Christianity, because didn't the scientific method come directly out of the monastery system?
1: Yeah, it really did. There's a great um, uh, uh, talk that you can get on MP3 if you search the Internet uh, by a guy named El Cresta, and um, he's a, a famous radio talk show host in my area. It's called The Debt the World Owes to the Catholic Church. And he goes through um, step-by-step detail. But uh, I I just did a um, 10-minute web search before uh, we began just in uh, prepping. Uh, Do you mind if I share a couple things uh, that I found?
0: I would love it. And I'll put them all on the show page.
1: Yeah, this is uh, really amazing. Some of the greatest uh, scientists and scientific discoveries came from faith-filled, really, particularly Catholic uh, people. Um, Nicholas Copernicus, great uh, Polish um, priest and astronomer uh he was the one who um came up with the uh really put forth the idea or was at least brave enough to put forth the idea that um the uh solar system has the sun at the middle and <laughs> not the earth um father uh, uh Georges Lamart, uh French I'm, I'm not a great french speaker but um a lot of people don't know this i teach this in my physics classes he came up with the big bang theory a catholic priest the first one to come up with that idea Uh, Blaise Pascal, a great mathematician and philosopher. Um, Father uh, Gregor Mendel uh, was the father of genetics. Uh, Giovanni Battista Riccioli was a Jesuit astronomer. And uh, the lunar crater Grimaldi, um, a crater on the moon, is named after him because of his study. I just found this one out today. Uh, Nicholas Steno. Uh, made great strides in anatomy. Some of the body parts, like Stenson's duct and Stenson's gland, are named after him. These are all great Catholic thinkers. To say that there's some kind of disconnect between faith uh, and reason, between the church and science is really just uh, as far from the truth as you could possibly get.
0: Mm, absolutely, and my understanding too is that Saint Nicholas Steno also made tremendous strides in geology and is known as the Father of July- Geology, and not only that, but that he's a canonized saint, Saint Nicholas Stina.
1: If you look into these, you can find in almost every branch of science a great Catholic mind, um, male, female, um, who really participated in an important way And um, as far as the scientific method, uh, that really did come, uh, uh, it was preserved in the dark ages um, through the monasteries. There's so many scientific traditions. Monasteries had telescopes and they continued with astronomy uh, during the hundreds of years of the dark ages and much would have been lost in science uh, had uh, that preservation not uh, been made. That love of understanding, that love of scientific study, uh, that was really in the heart of the church.
0: You really do get that sense, the more you talk about the church's history with science, that they felt the way you do, Tom, that to understand the way the world works is to get a glimpse of the mind of God.
1: And it's really amazing how simple he set it up. Um, If you study the physics at all, uh, there are four basic forces known to mankind uh, that guide every interaction in the universe. There are five forms of energy. Uh, There are six tiny particles called quarks, at least that we know of now, that make up everything, all the elements, all the atoms, all the molecules, um, all interactions in our universe are bounded, guided by five laws of conservation, the law of conservation of mass, the law of conservation of momentum, Um, all of these things, just foundational um, science and physics principles that really help us understand the simplicity. God didn't make us to be confused in a chaotic world. Uh, Much of that came from the fall, but the underlying underpinnings of it are order and beauty and simplicity.
0: It's incredible. I was just reading something, um, a biography of G.K. Chesterton, and he was talking about so many people that are atheistic are so afraid of anything that smacks of rules and 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 limitations and you know limiting freedom that there's a sense of a loss of liberty when we step, step into the structure of religious thinking. And yet, there's never been more freedom than to discover how things work so you can understand things more deeply, inquire more broadly, imagine and more vividly, uh, the more we know of the rules, the more free we are.
1: Amen. Is a train more free on the tracks (laughs) of what it's created to be on, uh, working to its fullest potential, or jumping the tracks and saying, hey, I want freedom. I want to be out there. Um, Wow, that's a great metaphor.
0: I like that a lot. Yeah, it really simplifies things so you can kind of get the crux of it. How do we get our children interested in science?
1: Yeah, that's a, a great uh, question uh, to ask. And that's what I've tried to do for 25 years as a teacher online and in the classroom. I did teach uh, in a great public school for 25 years. For the past seven or eight, I've shifted my teaching career to um, uh, online uh, instruction. And we'll talk a little bit later about some of the pros and the cons. But um, I think to make, uh, to help children to be interested in the sciences, you got to be interested yourself. Um, you got to encourage them in the studies of science. Don't let uh, that that false uh, dichotomy, that myth that the church is opposed to science that they'll hear in school and movies and books in public discourse. Uh, don't let them fall into that trap because it's not true. Um, reinforce uh, that uh, the church has never been opposed to science, and in fact, the church uh, really um, and brought life uh, to scientific study and and carried scientific study um, really throughout. Uh, uh, all uh, the, the known human history, um, visit museums of science, um, study ancient uh, science, talk about it at the dinner table. I mean, uh, we have discussions, I have seven children and I'm a science teacher, so maybe there's a little bit of a bias there, but we'll talk about uh, current things like hurricanes. Uh, we're dealing with a hurricane uh, right now. How does the storm system work? How does that uh, relate to that storm that's going on on Jupiter on the surface of uh, Jupiter that we've seen? Um and make it something that's real and, and practical to
0: That's really cool. I think a lot of us probably feel like we don't know much, and yet there's so much popular science available to us now more than ever. I mean, I particularly love the little snippets of brain science that I pick up here and there just in casual reading, and that's something that I've been able to pass on to my family, to my coaching clients, to so many people that just knowing a little bit about how our brains work, and to my students at Homeschool Connections in the study skills class, knowing how our brains work helps us to use our brain well and to appreciate how well it can work. And,
1: that's- and uh, I would definitely put in a plug for, um, we have those, uh, those scary little things called screens uh, <laughs> that suck away the life of our children. Um, don't be afraid to, to use them in a good way, in a productive way. Um, give them a topic to study. Uh, give them a web quest to go on. Hey, today, let's find out what the, the five greatest hurricanes were and um, uh, what years they came in. Is there any pattern? Do they come here in a regular uh, way? Is it just random or, or anything that interests them? And uh, let them use it in a safe and, and guided way. There's a lot of stuff out there that we don't want them into. Um, but man, oh man, they can do uh, so much. They can take videos, go into the yard and take pictures of five different kind of bugs that you see or five plants that you're excited about and then bring them into the house and we'll get online and we'll study them. And don't be afraid that you don't know. I, I don't know anything when it comes to science. And the the older I get, the more I realize, the less I know. But if you just sit down next to them and say, hey, that's a great idea. Let's learn together. I've always wanted to learn that myself. Um, what a great way to encourage them into the studies of science.
0: Yeah, coming alongside them with your enthusiasm. I feel like modeling that curiosity and that fascination and the what what is that, that just that? Uh, enjoyment of the natural world, too, to be able to inquire. And I love that you're asking a question sometimes of your kids in terms of uh, some little research project, maybe not knowing the answer. Let's discover it together. Is there a pattern? Maybe we can't discern a pattern. Maybe it would take, uh, you know, highly evolved computer technology to discern that. But what can we see? Where can we begin and have fun?
1: Make it I, practical. Yeah. Everyday application.
0: Yeah, you know what it reminds me of is I read a book when I was in high school, and my husband just took it out of the library, so I'm going to dive back into it again. Is cheaper by the dozen? The father. Uh, Galbreth or Gilbraith, whatever his last name was, uh, had the solar system and all kinds of planets and stuff painted on their walls and ceiling and stuff. And he was constantly teaching. They were always learning in that environment. And I've seen homeschools like that, where there are planetary charts and things uh, up on all the walls. What kind of environment do you create in your home as far as, as uh interesting your children in science? Are there some particular resources that you like for doing that? Well, we have a beautiful
1: um, home that uh, we purchased uh, with, with something in mind. We have a little pond in the backyard. We have an orchard in the front yard. and We have woods just behind the home. So there's a lot of places to study um, natural beauty and the and natural creation. We have butterfly bushes and hummingbird um, feeders. So kids can see all different kinds of um, uh, animals and insects that interest them. We set up um Boxes for woodpeckers to nest uh, in our yard and, and swallows. Uh, and I don't even teach natural sciences, it's more mm-hmm. uh, physical sciences. Um, but uh, we, we like to, we do have a room, we homeschool uh, in our home. And um, it started out with a room uh, that as the family grew, that room had to be taken. Um, so our playroom became the schoolroom. And mm-hmm. uh, then uh, as kids got older, we needed to use the playroom uh, for different things. Now, just the open area in the basement is the schoolroom, but you'll find. Uh, projects uh, hanging on the wall, um, reports uh, that they've written. Uh, Half my students, as they get older, uh, have gone into the public schools, the school that I uh, taught in, uh, and they bring stuff home and they share uh, what they've uh, learned and found. So um, try to make it uh, something that uh, you're excited about. And when they see your excitement and they see it all around them, uh, put their pictures on the refrigerator that they drew in school, the artwork that they made. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. And that really, that enthusiasm uh, is, is a real driver.
0: Yeah, it's catchy, isn't it? To have an enthusiastic home is really a delight. It, it also speaks of the joy of having that connection with God and with creation. So we're you've touched a little bit on some of the pros of teaching at home, and I love that you have kids both in and out of the school system, that you've taught in the school system. What would you say are some some pretty clear pros and cons as far as teaching science in the home?
1: Yeah, um, the pros are obviously you can control against the bias. There's a lot of garbage out there. There's a lot of teachers out there who have an agenda. They're they're not there just to teach the natural laws, but they want to put their own spin on it. And that's sad and unfortunate. Um, so you can take scientific topics um, uh, to life at home with practical application. Uh, you're not bound to that classroom. Hey, we're studying butterflies. Let's go to a local butterfly garden. Hey, we're studying electricity. Let's go to the hands-on museum. And, uh, and do the, see what kind of demos they have there for electricity. Let's watch a thunderstorm out in the yard and watch the lightning. Um, so there's a, a lot of things that you can do, um, but I will say it's hard uh, to do it well. Um, for me as a physics teacher, I saw kids five days a week uh, for an hour a day I had a fully equipped uh, university style lab with all kinds of equipment, accelerometers, uh, dynamics tracks, uh, we have microscope, we have very expensive and accurate uh, precise scales. You don't have that uh, in your home. Um, so that's, those are some of the, the, the cons. We just don't have the resources um, that they have uh, in, in many schools. Um, and you don't have the collaboration unless you have a group of kids Uh, who might be in a a homeschool co-op of sorts or some kind of family cohort. Um, Really hard for me uh, in my online education. I, I really miss that aspect of it. So I have discussion forums where kids can talk with each other and ask questions. And they actually are required to ask a certain amount of questions every week and then reply to each other so we can have some of that community and collaboration uh, but I tried to make a team lab once where you took some data and they took some data and then you compared notes and then you sort of revised. But, and it was so hard to do. And one student's in New Zealand and one is in <laughs> Texas and one's in you know Alaska. And it just got me a lot more complaints than than uh, enthusiastic praise. So we put that one on the back burner for a while. But in my physics class, we would do that all the time in in the school that I taught in because we had 20 kids in there. We can all talk together and, okay, you four are going to work on this for this week and you four will do that. Um, So that's one of the difficulties that you'll run into um, when trying to uh, mimic that um, learning experience uh, when you're at home.
0: Yeah, interesting. Um, so what are some resources that can help us to, to try to get the most out of the freedom that we do have, not only to have that joy and that sense of kind of family collaboration, um, but to really do good science?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, in um, my physics classes at the high school, we used to, we started at the end of my tenure there using cell phones to do video recording. So we could, you could drop a basketball and videotape it with your cell phone. And believe it or not, they even have timestamps on And You show it in slow-mo. You say, oh, wow, look, in the first second, it fell you know, this far. But in the next second, it fell twice as far. Why do you think it fell further? Maybe it's going faster. Yeah, great idea. Maybe it's going faster. Um, they have cell phones in every app possible. You can put a level I built the tree for it, and I used my cell phone to level the tree for it. <laughs> Um, you'd be amazed at what is out there. So, so look for learning apps, look for ways to use the technology we have. We don't want to run away from it. We don't want kids to be afraid of it or uh, think of it as a bogeyman, but we want to use it all prudently in a way that glorifies God and, and, you know, helps us to learn to our fullest potential. Um, look for online resources. There are, um, online interactive labs that you can do. Now you're not dissecting a real frog, so you don't. It's not stinky, and you don't, there's not blood to clean up. But you can actually do a <laughs> frog dissection um, online for my physics classes. We use the online physics classroom and the um, PhET B-H-E-T, physics labs. Uh, it is incredible what they have in chemistry, in physics. Um, dozens and dozens of uh, lab activities, and you can even um, click different links. And there's Pre-made activities, and their answer keys from thousands of teachers uh, around the world.
0: That's incredible. Are these free resources, Tom?
1: They are free resources. And it's
0: P-H-E-T?
1: P-H-E-T, out of Boulder, Colorado. If you Google search P-H-E-T Labs, uh, Boulder, uh, you would find it. And that's one of many. I had a parent this summer say, you know, one of the requirements in my state is kids have to have a lab-based science class. And I'm noticing uh, in the online classes that you teach and your chemistry teacher over there, you don't have a lab. Uh, is there any way that you can help us to have a lab-based experience? So we did come up with a sort of a stopgap measure where they could do some of the activities that um, I already have, and they can write them up as full lab write-ups, and we can have some feedback. But I would like to, in the future, develop something even better where they can do. I I, I spent an hour uh, one summer afternoon, and I found a half dozen places, canned, online, physics, chemistry, labs, uh, different levels. And I just haven't had time to go through them all and see which one is the best, which ones are free, which ones cost, is the cost something that's affordable, et cetera. But there is so much out there if you have the time to spend and to look uh, a little bit. I would also say um, you can look for ways to partner with your local um, charter schools and public schools. Um, public schools basically want one thing, money, <laughs> and I don't want to boil it down to that. I mean, uh, some public schools are great, but every child is six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand dollars. So I know in my school district, homeschoolers can say, you know, what I don't have a choir at home, so I'd like to take choir, and um, I'd like to take this lab class. And uh, within certain bounds, they will let you partner with them and come in for just an hour or two a day, take the classes that you want. And they get a part of the state allotted money that you don't see anyhow. Um, <laughs> so it's win for them and win for you. And I know for some kids who are really big on sports, you can't have a football team in your home school. But when you're taking one or two, two classes um, a week, you can join the school um, sports teams as well. So, A little added benefit from my cross-country coaches uh, side of things there. So look for ways to partner with resources uh, that are out there. Um, You don't have to take the social studies classes. If, you know, you're concerned about some of the political ideological issues that will be put forth, you don't have to let them take the health classes. Uh, We know where that's going to go. But um, there are some classes that you can take. Chemistry lab, not a lot, you know, of bias that could really come uh, in there. And uh, make it practical. By taking theory into practice, is there a hands-on museum in your area? Is there a museum of natural history? Um, are there even businesses that make different things that you could just call and say, hey, i got a group of you know, students who are thinking of maybe engineering. Could we just come and observe some of the things that you do in the plant and how you make X or Y? Uh, a lot of times they'd uh, be really surprised and excited. Oh, sure, that'd be great. Coming out, we'll set something up for a Wednesday afternoon.
0: I've also noticed that um, my daughter went through a period before she settled on the arts of thinking about being a pre-med student at college. And anytime we mentioned that to any medical person, like for an annual checkup or an eye exam or anything, hands down, people would say, oh, well why don't you come and follow me around for an afternoon or, why don't, or or I'd love to talk to you sometime or or whatever it was. People are, who are passionate about what they do actually really do like to have young people ask them questions. And sometimes we'll even allow them to shadow them for, for an afternoon. Yeah,
1: I resonate with that because in my current career, I'm working at University of Michigan Hospital. And um, part of what I do is I teach continuous improvement and patient safety to the med students, to doctors, to nurses, and uh, people are always asking to shadow, and I get to go and shadow. Um, so that, that resource is out there, Lots of uh, lots of stuff out there that people just aren't even aware of, and all you need to do is ask.
0: And then for those of us lucky enough to be in highly populated areas, we also have science programs that are very often open to homeschools that are usually field trips for the schools, you know, where they'll go and actually have a hands-on lab, maybe with an actual scientist. Um, There's also the possibility in our homeschool co-op, we've had women with degrees in biology and chemistry and things like that who have been able to actually lead uh, you know, groups through through different subjects. So sometimes we look around our you know in our environment, and and it just takes someone being a little pushy to say, "What you've got a chemistry chemistry degree, you know? Come on, would you once a week we'll all chip in a little something for you, and and let's go through this book together." It's really great to have somebody who really knows <laughs> a little
1: something to help you out. And uh, back to the partnering with schools, a lot of schools have um, science Olympiad teams and robotics teams. And they're not um, parsing through whether or not you're a full-time student or not. You could just ask, you know, hey, my daughter would love to be on the robotics team. Could we join? Those are all extracurricular things. They happen in the evening. There's often low or no cost. And I I know we have, in in my school district, allowed lots of different people from different school districts, et cetera, uh, to come and join. You have those local experts and the uh, parents willing uh, to really do it. They're volunteering. So we may as well look for opportunities uh, like that. Your local recreation center, I know the Selene Rec Center runs a program called Community Education. And we have um, building robots with Legos. Um, We we have all kinds of classes. And we used to throw away that Rec and Ed flyer that came once a year. Yeah, we don't have the money for that. But now we read with sort of a, a more keen eyes. Oh, there's an activity that my child can do. There's an activity and they're $20 or $50 for a semester. For one night a week, uh, where you can do something really fun, meet other kids, and apply uh, your knowledge and get excited about science.
0: Wonderful! So many different options. Um, what and in terms of just particular favorites or final thoughts, Tom, what, what would you like to other people to be thinking about as they ponder this?
1: Yeah, I would say um, for homeschoolers, especially, uh, the, one of the hardest things to do is find. Uh, good resources. If they're not in your area, find a great online resource. Um, I'll give a pitch for uh, homeschool connections. uh, the one that I'm uh, involved in I've been with them for seven years and we have grown so much in seven years that um, we now have more offerings in homeschool connections than the public school, um, which is ranked in the top 10 every year in Michigan that I taught in um, has to offer. So there's a lot of great stuff out there. And if uh, this one has some great stuff in science, but you don't like their language arts, great. Go find another one over here for language arts. Um, it's coming to the point where, uh, I don't know if you get cable or dish, um, uh, those, those TV channels and you got to buy it for 200 and you only want six of them. I want <laughs> EWCN, I want Fox News, I want the good, clean kid shows and maybe the family channel. Um, and it's getting that way with education. Uh, we get to pick. And choose. It's not this monopoly is going to come down and you have to do it our way. Um, so uh, those are some uh, ideas. Uh, there's a lot out there and be prayerful <laughs> be open uh, to the Lord's guidance, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I'm not getting anything. My kids are struggling. Uh, we're bored. What can we do? Um, you never know. A little prayer uh, to one of these great patron saints of one of the fields of uh, science uh, might open some doors as well.
0: Wonderful. Thank you for your joy and your enthusiasm, Tom. And again, Tom teaches at Homeschool Connections and he's teaching physics. And what is your mathematics course there?
1: Uh, It's Algebra 2.
0: Algebra 2. And so the math and the physics and all the way that works and practical applications and the fun of it, Tom's students love him. So please do check him out and check out Physics is Fun, P-H-Y-S-I-C-I-S phun.org. And you can find Thomas S. Frederick also on LinkedIn. Definitely check him out at Homeschool Connections. Tom, thank you so much for taking the time with us and being such an encouraging presence out there.
1: Thank you very much. And us of any time
2: with you today.
0: Hey, everybody, just hang on for our short feature coming right up.
2: Hello, my homeschooling friend. I'm Celeste Behe, and this is Story Strands. Can you picture yourself teaching your kids catechism 800 years ago? You wouldn't have access to any web based curriculum, or to a single online theology course, or even a bound copy of the catechism. Instead, you'd be using the hottest catechetical resource of the Middle Ages storytelling. That's right. During the Middle Ages, the principles of the faith were taught using something called exempla. Exempla were stories that made use of everyday people, places and things. The use of exempla to teach the faith was based on the belief that words teach, but it is example that illustrates. Here's a sample exemplum. There once were two magnificent fountains in the middle of a plain. One fountain would send its waters into the field by means of seven streams. Although the waters sometimes tasted a little bitter, they had wonderful properties. Old people who drank from these streams would become young again. Sick people would be healed. The poor would grow rich. The second fountain, gushed forth fresh and sparkling waters that tasted sweet as honey. But those who drank from this fountain would become very ill. Some would even die, and yet people would come and drink anyway because the waters just tasted that good. I'm sure you've guessed that the seven streams of the first fountain represent the seven life-giving sacraments and the enticing but toxic waters of the second fountain represent sin. Stories like this help to teach elements of the catechism in a way that impresses them vividly upon a child's mind. Exempla convey the truths of the faith in simple, concrete ways that even a very young student can understand. In using stories to catechize our children, we are following the example of our Lord himself, whose parables drew on everyday people, places, and things. The parables touched people's hearts in a way that simply stating the parables' lessons could not. It's no wonder that, according to St. Mark, Jesus did not say anything to them without using a parable. Yes, words teach. But it is example that illustrates. I'm Celeste Behe. Please come visit me at CelesteBehe.com where you will find a list of resources to help you to catechize through stories. And thank you for tuning in to Story Strands.